Now, the angry chef has taken the internet by storm through a blog, and now a book by the same title has uh, also taken the publishing world by storm. It's an opportunity for many of us, I think, who have been feeling a bit guilty about what we're eating as a result of being exposed to so much dietary advice from detoxes to paleo diets to ketosis, depending on how deep you've gone into it. Uh, so this morning's person is the angry chef, Anthony Warner. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Good morning. And just to quickly look at your own credentials, you are a chef. So I know that on your blog and in your book, you, you explain your main reason for writing as, as kind of defending something you love, which is food. But, but you do have a, a science background in biochemistry at university, so you're not coming at this uh, completely like the ordinary person off the street. Um, no, I suppose not. You know, I, have, I have a biochemistry degree. Um, it was you know, quite a long time ago, but you know, I've always retained that interest and actual curiosity about science and, and just a, a, sort of an, a real desire to get to the truth of things, really. And, and um, so I suppose that's really helped, um, helped me sort of try and uh, be critical of some of the stuff that's out there talking about food. Can you go a little further into the motivation to actually go out and start an, a blog rather than just give the odd interview on the subject and then a book? I suppose I, I, I just uh, sort of a couple of years ago, I became quite concerned about a lot of stuff I was hearing on the internet or sort of the new breed of sort of healthy eating bloggers out there. And I felt there was a lot of bad information being put out there and no one was really saying anything about it. So I kind of wanted to sort of counter it in the same space that it was being spread, to be honest, and just spread, you know, well, hold some of the stuff that was being said to account, but also spread a sort of counter message of just kind of eating sensibly and not worrying too much about food, not obsessing too much about about food choices. Um, so that was really really why I wanted to do that, and just to sort of get get some information out of that into that same sort of space in the internet where so much of this stuff was being spread. Now, recently, I saw somebody complaining about their health levels after eating on the ketogenic diet for a period of a, of a few months at least. And this ketogenic diet is a real problem for me, Mr. Warner, because I find it very unpalatable. Most of the things I love are not on the ketogenic diet, which is high fat for a start, um, and, and seems to run against much of the dietary advice of the last few decades. But there are so many subscribers to it, if you just do a simple online search. This is one of the diets that you dismantle in your book can you give us a taster of that uh, yeah i mean it, it's um i think i think we, we get a bit confused some people get a bit confused sometimes between between um weight loss and health you know ketogenic diet is a very very high fat very low carb and quite low protein diet so you, you're eating a lot of fat and it's sometimes used to treat sort of uh uh, some cases of, of, of drug-resistant epilepsy, but it's pretty extreme medical diet, really. But really, yes, there's no regulation, because it's a diet, there's no real regulation about whether someone can do it. So anyone can, can follow some advice on the internet and put themselves into this state of ketosis. It has, you know, if you are restricting your calories, or restricting what you eat that much, you will... Or you'll probably lose weight, and not in a sustainable way, but you will probably lose weight in the short term. And I think people will see that happening, and they mistake that for being healthier. They mistake sort of just losing weight for being healthier, which obviously isn't the case a lot of the time. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of harm. You're eating an enormous amount of fat, and there's a lot of real, real dangers um, of it 
sort of becoming you know, sort of creating toxicity for your for your liver for instance with that particular diet i mean it's pretty extreme the ketogenic diet and i i, I really would want people to shy I, I'm, I'm all for letting people make their own choices but i really want people to shy away from from that one and going that extreme because it can be it can be really quite unpleasant and, and that's just one of several examples that people will probably quite quickly find if they spend an hour online going from one YouTube video connected to the next. Um, there's just so much, though, to sift through. The common factor is that these tend to be pushed by self-appointed gurus or even celebrities who describe themselves as having been transformed by their diets. And that's also something that I think one of the reasons for your amazing success is that you're not afraid to name these people and name them for what you think they are. Do you not get into a bit of trouble for that? <laughs> no, I, 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 I try to be reasonably careful in the way I do. I, you know, what I do is I say what people have said. You know, I just repeat what people have said, which is sometimes is ridiculous and sometimes just counters, you know, counters all the science underlies it. So, but, but also sometimes it doesn't make any logical sense. And I, I, I sort of put that against the opinion of sort of professors of nutrition and people who have studied this for all their lives. And I think, well, why are we believing sort of, um, you know, uh, various sort of self-appointed gurus and celebrities over people who actually know about diet and know about nutrition? You know, and the reason we're believing often is because the, the, the um, self-appointed gurus will make extraordinary exceptional claims and claim, you know, that they know sort of some sort of hidden secret for, for weight loss or for, for sort of incredible health. Whereas... You know, nutrition science is actually really, really complicated and there's a lot of uncertainty, so the experts tend to be quite uncertain and we're, we're often very attracted to that sort of real certainty of the message from, from celebrities or from, from online you know, sort of self-appointed gurus. So I think we have to be really quite careful about how we're assimilating information, really. I think it's become... There's so much information out there, we just need to be really quite critical of what we, what we see and what we, what we believe. Often these gurus will have doctor in front of their name. Are there any signs that we need to look out for when we're looking for a healthy way to eat and tips on that and, and then maybe find ourselves being inspired by somebody? Is there a, a typical giveaway? <laughs> um, well, I mean, there are, there are obviously, you know, there are, there are good sort of signs that someone's um, uh, got, uh, someone's a dietitian. Or, but, I mean, generally speaking, there is standard sort of advice about healthy eating out there from from sort of um, reputable medical organisations or the World Health Organisation or someone like that. And if if what someone's saying is completely counter to that, then you've got to think why. You know why 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 should we believe that one individual rather than the the sort of um, the weight of evidence that's that's sort of used in in, in larger organisations? Yeah. yeah. Because we 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 know what the standard medical advice is, and it's a little bit boring. It's not very, it's not very exciting. It's like eat a eat a balanced diet, try and eat lots of different stuff. You know, not too much of one thing or anything of the other and it's very simple but very boring advice if someone's making sort of more remarkable and miraculous claims you really need to check them out because you know, it's very unlikely that something you know if something sounds too good to be true it often is you know that you know we sort of know what healthy eating is but we're kind of drawn to these sort of certainty and exciting messages um, and i think we need to be really careful about that the thing is that sometimes we don't trust big pharma or um, mainstream medical advice. Uh, just a quick example here, vitamin D levels, for example. You'll have people online who'll say that, you know, your vitamin D levels need to be well above 
the bottom line recommended level. Um, and we get the same sort of advice with lots of different um, measures that we can find in our blood tests. How, how do we negotiate our way through that when someone seems to be absolutely certain that there are studies uh, that show that higher vitamin D levels, for example, are associated with a lower rate of cancer, etc., etc., and when that sort of advice also s- sort of jumps over into nutrition and people talk about levels of antioxidants and that sort of thing? Um, I mean, I think science, nutrition science is really, really complicated. You know, it's, it's incredibly um, uncertain, really complicated and really hard to study. You know, real hard science is difficult. Um, really hard thing to do to work out cause and effect of different foods because we all eat a massively varied and different diet and, you know, it's very difficult to do proper experiments. You know, so there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of science out there and a lot of experiments out there. So if you want to prove one particular thing, you can probably find a reference to a, a particular paper which is going to show you that one thing. But what sort of uh, more broad guidelines and sort of, you know, sort of government guidelines and I said World Health Organization guidelines, they look at all the evidence and they get loads of experts spend an enormous amount of time working out what the weight of all the evidence across all the experiments that have been done actually shows in, in sort of systematic reviews. Um, and, and so that's just kind of the, the highest level of information. So if you cherry-pick a particular experiment, then, then you probably can prove something, but that doesn't prove that it's the cause and effect, you know, vitamin D recommendations. You know, I know it, I, I just recently spoke to the people who set them in, in, in the UK, and, you know, it was a committee sat through with sort of 15 people, and it sat for two years looking for all the information to come up with a recommendation for that bit of advice on vitamin D. Yeah. So I, you know, from my point of view, I trust that rather than someone online who's got one paper that they're looking at and saying this is what i believe because you know um, we need to look at the highest possible standard of evidence which is a good quality systematic review from and that's what's represented in the sort of the more boring standard guidelines that we get the other word that you don't like is detox and that's something that (laughs) all of us come across even those who are not searching online for it because we see it on just about every convenience store shelf some sort of juice claiming to be a detox Often these juices will be very high in sugar, um, but nevertheless, um, what's your view? I mean, do the authorities need to be more stringent? Because in your book, you explain very clearly how the the liver and kidneys and bodily functions do very well at detoxing our body without much support, unless they themselves have a problem that needs to be solved. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the one thing that... You know, one thing I can definitely say as well, that if you do need support detoxing, which is means you probably need urgent medical attention, what you don't get in that medical attention is like a kale juice or some sort of smoothie or some sort of fruit drink. You know, th- th- there's no evidence at all to show that any sort of food will, will sort of remove toxins from your body in some way. But the word detox... Yeah, in terms of food products, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, it doesn't make any sense at all scientifically. Um... I, I just don't understand why there's so many products out there which, which say that on the pack because it's, it's not a claim that's based in in any evidence, um, and it's absolutely incredible. And it's, I think it's become almost like a euphemism for other things. It's become like for like just 
uh, often just losing weight because people will detox, they'll cut out loads of stuff and they will only drink juice for a, a, a week and say they're sort of detoxing in order to... But it's kind of, you say, well, actually, you're just losing weight. They're just trying to make themselves feel better and feel like they're not actually on a diet, but they're just sort of removing some toxins. But it doesn't remove any toxins from your body. It's just, I, it, it's, it's an absolutely incredible thing. And I think people, I think authorities need to be better about it. But I think it's so ubiquitous now, it's incredibly hard. I think mean, that, that's the real problem. It's become so used by so many different people all across the world. It's a massive, massive industry. Yes. This, this detox industry. It's based on, on nothing at all. It's based on, you know, sort of a complete sort of pseudoscience, really. It's, it's an incredible, incredible thing. One of the fundamental reasons to be wary. We are out of time. Wonderful to have the angry chef on the line with us. Okay, thank you, thank you. Anthony Warner, chef and author of the book and blog, Angry Chef. Do check it out if you want a, a fun read, at least. But it might, uh, well give you an excuse to put that extreme diet down for a little bit. You can text us your own experiences, Powder Sharp 1013 for 51 per message.